Amen. Thank you so much, guys. You may take your seats. And again, we want to welcome everyone this morning to the service. Coming to you from Lawrenceville, Georgia, Global Outreach Church. And to those of you streaming, we welcome you as well. We thank God for you. And we just want to remind you that we here are building a Jesus community and serving our world. And so this morning, <clears throat> we're going to go straight to the word that we began a few weeks ago. And this is going to be the culmination of that message. And by the way, happy Labor Day. Yes. Only three people here. I said, happy Labor Day. The rest of you guys know. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. We thank God. We give glory to God. Many people are traveling this weekend because it's a long, long weekend. And we thank God. As we receive journey mercies for all of them, that they go in peace and return in peace, sound and safe in Jesus' name. All right, let's dive into the message, and <clears throat> you guys know time is fast spent. This is 10.56 a.m., so don't turn your clock on me. It's not my fault. I just got here. <laughs> so over the last few weeks, we began a series that were entitled Missions Doable, and in those series, we highlighted the 10.40 window as the highest concentration of unreached people groups on the face of the earth. Now, I realize, and God realizes, that for the most part, many of us will not be called to minister in the 1040 window, okay? Although all of us can and do participate through our praying, our giving, and mobilizing. But we realize that everybody will not go to Bangladesh or Nepal or Zambia, or Zimbabwe, and so forth and so on. So this morning, there is another segment that presents for all of us a low-hanging fruit of opportunity that we can all be concerned about. And it is what I want to call the workplace ministry. Amen. The workplace ministry. Now, this weekend, as I said already, it's Labor Day weekend. It's a weekend that's set apart to celebrate the value and the dignity of work. Thank God for that. Amen? And so, uh, let me just go to Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> let me begin to read from verse 16 through 17. Acts 17. So this morning I'm ministering on, um, the, the title is going to be Ministering in the Workplace. Ministering in the Workplace. Acts 17, verse 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Now, in the scriptures, in the Bible, that word marketplace, correctly in the Greek is the word agora. Agora. Uh, last, this last spring, my wife and I were in Turkey as we visited the seven uh, Asian churches that are all based in Turkey. <clears throat> and as we went from place to place, Smyrna, Pegamos, Thyatira, uh, Ephesus, all of those places that you read in the book of Revelation, each one of those locations, each one of those cities, had a central hub called Agora, or as Paul refers to here, marketplace. Now, when you hear that word marketplace, it means in the Greek Agora, and really basically what that is, it was a place, like a central meeting point in the city. We saw there, we saw the place where we were there, we saw, we saw this place, every city had it. Okay? It was the place where the assembly took place, especially of the people. It was a place of public debating. Okay? So you want to talk about some subject, you go there to the public square, and the debate starts. It was a place where elections took place, this marketplace. Okay? It was a place where uh, justice was meted out, trials took place there. Okay? It was a place for buying and selling. Okay? It was a place for all kinds of businesses. And it was a place for learning, education, and schools. So in this agora, 
or as we saw in the scripture here, marketplace, so many things were taking place there at the same time, all over the place. It was a place where if you wanted to connect with what was happening in town, you went. So what, what are we told? Paul ministered in the synagogue, which is like i.e. church, but at the same time, on a daily basis, he went to the Agora, he went to the public place, to public square, he went to the marketplace. Now, today we do not use the term marketplace per se because we want to make sure we do not isolate those who are not in the market. When you hear the word market, you think of farmer's market, you think of Mokala market, you think of Oyimbo market, you think of Yaba market, you think of Unicha market, you think of market as market, like Walmart, the Mall of Georgia, uh, the Mall of uh, USA in Minnesota. No, so what we are saying is, even though they use that word marketplace, marketplace back then was more encompassing. It included not just where trades took place, as I just read to you, Debates were taking place there, trials were taking place there, elections were being held there, uh, buying and selling was taking place there, and schools were taking place there. So it was a place of the center of human activity. Therefore, in order not to isolate people who are not in the market, we use the term today, workplace, which encompasses, encompasses all various manners of work and of course, school and education. Amen? So Paul ministered first and foremost in the synagogues, as we just read, and at the same time in the workplace. Now, why the workplace? Why should we pay attention to this today? Why is this important? Let me tell you why. It is the place, the workplace that is, hear this now, where a majority of men and women spend a majority of their time interacting with a majority of the lost world. Did you get that? This is the place, the workplace is the place where majority of us spend majority of our time interacting with majority of the lost world. Most of us, we spend at least a third of our life every day in the workplace. That's more time than you spend in church. That's more time than you spend in recreation. That's more time you spend in anything else. So if that's the case, and every one of us, every one of you that's listening to me right now, you know somebody in your workplace that's lost. We all do. They are there by the droves. Sinners are not in shortage in the workplace. There are plenty. So, we see this wisdom from the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. If you read the context leading up to it, it was in Athens and he saw all the manner of idols. Now, when I say idols, maybe back then they had real shrines and so forth and so on like we see in Asia. But for me and you today, it's the same thing. We may not have shrines for it, but people have idols in their hearts. Things that they've believed that's not of God, that they practice with religiosity. Things that's happening around us that you and I know are not godly, they are not right, they are not righteous, and it's happening every day. So Paul saw these things happening in Athens and said, my goodness, how can I continue to live among these people and not try to do something about what I see? So we minister to them in the synagogue and then thereafter, he also went to the marketplace. And it's amazing to me that the Bible said he did this daily. So it was not just a one-off. And I'm bringing this message to us this morning because, like I said, I realize all of us will not go to the 10th window. Everybody's not going to Sri Lanka, Thailand, Vietnam, and all those places. I realize that. Although I know that all of us, thank God, we support the efforts of those that do go. And I thank God for that. Now, we know that only 3% of the church universally is called into what I call vocational ministry. Pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, apostle. Only 3%. Only 3%. So what happens to the 97? Are the 97 called by God to be spectators? 
It cannot be so. Not if God that we know is a master steward. God is incredible, is incredibly wise. So the point I'm making is, while some may have a vocational ministry, the 97% were never intended or called by God to be spectators. <laughs> oh my God, this is good. I love your faces. Hallelujah to the faces, praise God. <laughs> no. First of all, in John 15 verse 16, in the King James, Jesus said, you have not chosen but I've chosen you. Then he goes on to say, and I have ordained you to go forth and bring forth. Now, it's not talking just to the apostles. It says, I've ordained you. I've, so every one of you, every one of us that's born again is ordained. If you want, you can go to Kinko's and print your card. You're ordained. That's what Jesus said. I have, you said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you to go and bring forth food that your food may abide and remain and that your joy may be full. That if you ask anything, I'll give it unto you. So right there and there, all of us, and I'm saying to us this morning, God is calling 100% of the church to engage in 100% of the harvest. Oh, you all to hear me. Not just 3%. 100% of the church to engage in 100% of the harvest. And that's where we come up and say every believer is a minister. All of us are. We just minister at, from various platforms. That's it. That's the only difference. All of us are ministers. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Well, why the workplace? Time is fast spent, so let me, just, let me just get to the middle of the message. Why? Why the workplace? Why is this important? First of all, let's look at the biblical models and examples. Where did Jesus, the patterned son, where did he spend most of his time? <laughs> it will shock you to know that Jesus spent most of his time in the carpentry shop. In fact, the Bible calls him the carpenter. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. The carpenter. He spent most of his time not opening blind eyes, not healing the sick, but in the carpentry shop. So if you are a carpenter, you are listening to me, and you say, oh, well, my work is not important, you are mistaken. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you are the janitor, carpenter, lawyer, engineer, you are a student, homemaker, Whatever you are doing, you must understand that once you recognize your identity, it is your identity you bring to bear on what you do. What you do do not define you. You, as the child of God, define what you do. Huge difference. If you understand who you've been made to be, God's called you and I to be, we were created in his own image and likeness. Once you embrace that, I am a child of God. Then, whatever I'm doing, I bring it to bear in that arena. Jesus, God allowed him, before we knew him, to be anything else. Oh, my goodness. First of all, first of all, okay, I, I didn't want to go here. I didn't want to go, but, but I have to. I have to now. In Luke chapter 3, heavens opened up. He was baptized. What happened? The Bible says the voice was heard from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well placed. His sonship was affirmed. Did you, did you see that? Identity, first thing I've affirmed. Next, we see in chapter 4. He went to the wilderness, the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. What was the temptation about? If thou be the son of God. If thou be, why, why, why? Because the enemy is trying to sow doubt as to his identity. And that's the problem you and I face every day. Constantly battling. Oh, oh, really? Am I, am, I, am I still saved? Am I not saved? Am I right? Am I not right? Did I do this? No, no. The enemy wanted to attack his identity immediately. Then look for 18. We are told he came out in the power of the Spirit. Oh, where am I going? The one who had been affirmed, identified as the Son of God. Next, in Luke chapter 4, received the power of the Spirit. And then when you read a few verses later in Luke chapter 4, he began to preach and teach. There's a sequence. Number one, identity affirmed. Number two, blessing is received. Number three, mission is 
started. You cannot engage in any mission or any activity or any task if you don't affirm your identity. You will succeed. You, like a yo-yo, up today, down tomorrow, up today, down tomorrow. And once you receive your identity, you must now receive the blessings that accompany that identity. And then in the power of that, you can confront the devil. I am the child of God. What is your business here in this place? Get out of my house, in Jesus' name. He has to listen to you because he knows you know who you are. He doesn't pay attention because most times, most people don't know who they are. I said it, maybe sometime last week, I don't even know where I was when I said this. There are no bad Christians. There are only Christians who don't know what's true about them. That's the problem. So Jesus spent most of his time as a carpenter. Next, out of 132 public art appearances of Jesus in the New Testament, 132, 122 of them were in the marketplace context. Come on, guys. This guy made appearance 132 times. 122 of them were in a workplace context. What's that telling you? Next, Jesus told 52 parables. 45 of them had a workplace context. What's that telling us? <laughs> in the book of Acts, 40 times we have divine intervention where God moved supernaturally. 39 of them were in the marketplace. Okay, how many pastors or priests did Jesus call into his ministry? <laughs> how many? Zero! Do you know what zero means? Zero, zip, zero. None! None! But I can tell you, he called businessmen, John, Peter, and James. He called uh, tax collectors. He called publican, even a politician. Yeah. He's trying to tell us something, folks. And then, of course, I just read Acts 17. We are, we are told that Paul reasoned with the Jews in the synagogue and ministered daily in the marketplace. Now, let me go to point number two. Why the marketplace? Why? Why the workplace? Go with me to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. And remember, this is for the rest of us that will not go to Bangladesh. This is for the rest of us that will not go to Nepal. This is for the rest of us that God has called, not just to go abroad, but to carry the message wherever we are. Workplace ministry is a low-hanging fruit. If you have a job, the ministry is already set for you. You don't, you don't have to buy a plane ticket. You don't need a hotel. Just go to work and open your mouth and let the glory of God come out of you. Exodus 4, verse 2. So the Lord said to him, this is Moses and God, what is that that's in your hand? Okay, you're right. Let's go to verse 1. You were correct, I was wrong. <laughs> then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So this, Moses is having a conversation with God. How am I going to convince the Jews that you are sending me? What did God say? Verse 2. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. Now, do you see how, you can almost picture in your mind Moses diminishing what he had in his hand. You can sense, you can almost sense the, his sense of diminishing. He, he just, God said, what do you have in your hand? Uh, just a rod. A rod. Uh -huh, a rod. Look at verse 17. Exodus 4, 17. Thank you. So after he's gone into all this dialogue with God and debate back and forth, I can't go, you can go, I can't go, you can go, I'm not ready, you're not ready. You're on and on and on. God said, what's in your hand? Say the rod in verse 17. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. What is in your hand right now? Those of you listen to me. What is in your hands? What skill, what gift, what talent has God given you that you are so familiar with that because of your familiarity, you are discounting God using it? What is it? 
Don't you recognize that the gift of God, the talent that God has given you, the rod of God in your hand is the key to somebody's answer right now as I'm speaking? Our problem is we're a bunch of unbelievers. I'm sorry. Unbelievers. Now, when I use that term unbeliever, I'm not saying you're not born again. You're soundly born again, but you just don't believe. Like the man in Mark now. I believe, help my unbelief. You don't believe that God has given you. You don't believe it. No, you don't. Because when you believe that God has given you something, and you believe that God gave you that something, nobody will be able to stop you. You will be Mr. and Mrs. Unstoppable. Because for Moses, God had to convince him, take him through a, a series of, uh, of, 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 of a process to convince him that the rod in your hand is not just a rod. He threw the rod on the ground. He became a snake. He goes, pick it up by the tail. He became a rod. He goes, hey, wait a minute, what? This rod I've been carrying for 40 years. <laughs> Are you serious? This rod? That knowledge you have, that ability that you have, that talent you have, that gift you have, that you've taken so for granted over the years, you do not recognize how much, how many people are waiting to tap into what you carry. And therefore, you discount it. So God's call upon people's lives was in the context of their work lives and not a separate calling. God did not send Moses to a special school after he called him to go do what he wanted him to do. He already had what he, need, what he needed. And the same thing with you and I. The same thing with you and I. Amen? You are, say, say with me now, say, I am gifted. Say, I am gifted. Say, the rod of God is in my hand. Say, the rod of God is in my hand. Hallelujah. I agree with you. And by the power of God, that rod of God in your hand, that gift of God in your life, you use it to unlock nations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. You just got to believe what you got. Number three, why the workplace? Number three, the workplace is the bedrock for human and societal flourishing. This is very, very important we get this. Because most times when we talk about the workplace, immediately we jump into evangelism. No. Evangelism is a part of it, but that's not the primary purpose. Hear me and hear me very well. The workplace is the bedrock for human and societal flourishing. What do I mean by that? Where will we be 20, 25 years ago with this phone system we have now? Okay, let me ask you this question. For, even for those of you in the audience, is there anybody here that's ever seen or heard a thing called a smartphone? Yes. Talk to me. Yes, sir. You've heard of a smartphone? Yes, sir. Ah. Has the smartphone enhanced your life since it came into being? Look, look up. See, I'm, still, I'm old school. I'm still carrying the Bible. Many of you are no not carrying Bibles. You're carrying what? Devices. <laughs> so, so we cannot tell you open to Ephesians. No, no we say click to <laughs> or scroll to. <laughs> Human flourishing. Human flourishing. I mean, I remember, no, this, this, no, this, no, this is no joke. Yeah, the first time I saw a smartphone was in England. Of course, I live in the United States. I'm traveling around. The pastor, Pastor Benga David of Blessed Memory, I, and he had a smartphone, and he showed me the phone and said, you don't have a smartphone? What, what do you need that for? I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you British people, you guys are so backward, you think you need an extra phone to carry. Well, I did not know we were behind time. That's what I saw. I'm in Europe. You almost don't do anything else without your phone. Parking, parking lot. Everything smartphone-based. Everything. Today, my smartphone is not just, it's, it's, it's a tool that just happens to have a phone. All the messages I've ever preached are on that phone. Notes. Oh, I cannot even imagine 
life without it now. But we are talking of a period of just what, maybe 20, 25 years ago. So how do we live before them? How do we get there to where we're now advanced so far now where we have phone has been a blessing to all of us? It's called human flourishing. Somebody, whether they acknowledge it or not, received the gift of wisdom from God, even though they don't acknowledge God in it, and took that gift and packaged it in such a way that it liberates all of us. Where did it happen? Workplace. 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 One man changed the world. I don't care if you went to my village, in the innermost village, village, my, my vi real village, that is not on the map. If you find a human being there, they will have a phone. Now, they may not be able to call the name of the phone, whether it's Samsung or Android, they don't know all of that. Because of one man in the workplace. Didn't God tell us in the book of Daniel that in the last days, knowledge will increase and that we shall do exploits? So you must recognize the workplace first and foremost is the place where God ordained from, Gen from Genesis where he said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue. He gave man the ability from way back to improve our living condition. Who made the cell phone? Did God make it? No. God did not invent the cell phone. He didn't invent the smartphone. He gave the wisdom for it. Look at Paul in his days. I read the Paul stories, his missionary journeys. It, sailed, it takes months to sail from Corinth to Ephesus, from Ephesus to Salah. Months! You and I cover that now in eight hours. Paul will be here and say, oh my God, God, I wish I had eight hours. I would have to reach the whole world if I, if I could have eight hours. How did that happen? A name called Boeing. You ever heard of Boeing? A corporation. In a workplace, as we speak, they are not sleeping. They are not sleeping. You and I are here in church. They are not sleeping. They are thinking, okay, how can we take this more? How can we now expedite the travel time from Atlanta to London? Now it's eight and a half hours. How, how can we make it two hours? Ten, fifteen years from now, they'll be doing it in one hour. Where is it happening? In the workplace. Human flourishing and societal enhancement. Workplace. I don't remember the name of the African-American woman when NASA was having problems in going to the space. And they came up with a solution with mathematics. In a workplace that changed the trajectory of that whole program. You are telling me what you can or cannot do with God inside of you? Do you recognize who you carry, what you are carrying? Do you recognize that Christ in you is the hope of glory? Do you recognize that Jesus Christ wants to bring his being, his entire wisdom package into your life to manifest into the world? We are not thinking and we are unbelievers. That's our problem. Because when you truly believe, you go to work on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, and they say they can't solve this problem. This tech problem, this IT problem, this math problem. We can't balance the book. We can't do this. Like Nehemiah, before the king, when the king asked him the question, he didn't say, let me go and pray for night vigil. No. Why the king was talking to him, he prayed. I'm talking about five-second Holy Ghost packed prayer. Yeah. Charles Pugion is the one that said, he said he rarely prays for more, he said he rarely, he rarely prays more than five seconds. But it rarely goes five seconds without praying. Ah, you didn't hear it. <laughs> the king asked Nehemiah, what's your problem? What are you thinking about? And the Bible said, the man prayed. And I said, while the king was talking, he prayed. And of course, God delivered the answer and had what he needed. The rest is history. So what I'm saying to you is whatever you are faced with at work, whatever the challenge, whatever the obstacle, don't just, don't just accept the status quo. That's the problem with us. 
Do what Nehemiah did. Do what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus, how can I solve this problem? Do what Joseph did. The whole world was in famine. God gave the man the key. Are you hearing me? So number one, we have a biblical pattern. Jesus ministered as a carpenter. Number two, God's call upon our lives is within the context of what we do in the workplace. Number three, the workplace ministry is very, very important because of the human and societal flourishing. That is important. You and I should not go through life and don't leave a contribution. Our role should not just be we are consumers. The latest gadget. You go to some of these nations, some of these nations that they, where electricity light don't work. Electricity does not work. But the latest gadget from China straight there, they got it. I have a friend that has a Mercedes Maybach. I won't name the nation. Let, let, let me not name the nation. Maybach. I said, where are you going to drive this thing? <laughs> because once you leave its driveway, the rest of the roads are potholes. <laughs> potholes. All over the place. Number four reason for the workplace ministry. It's a place to minister to the felt needs of men and women. It's a place to minister to the felt needs of men and women. There is no better place to find vulnerable people who are going to be open to hear what you have to say. I cannot tell you. In my time at Eastern Airlines, I, I, in fact, I, I, I adjusted my schedule. This is a true story. So I can go to work at least 45 minutes before start work. I know that my entire lunch time was also ministry time. And God helped me. Once I get there, they are lining up. Every day. Every day. I was not a pastor. I was not an I was nothing. I was just a believer who believed in the ID that God has given me. Because people are vulnerable. The threats of job retrenchment, they're going to lay off next month. Everybody starts shaking in their boots. They're afraid. Or maybe a house a family member is sick or something happened. They, they, they talk to you freely. Why? Because they've known you. They've worked with you for a year or two years. You've gained their credibility. You've gained, you've gained some, their confidence. They, 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 they say things to you they will not say to a pastor. That's what happened. So workplace is a place where we get to minister to people's felt needs, I mean, on a consistent basis. That's where I was first touched with the gospel myself before I became born again. I don't want to rehash that story now because of uh, my timekeepers are already blinking at me. God will deliver them in Jesus' name. Ah, lastly, let's just give you this last one. The workplace is one of the most strategic and untapped segments of society for reaching the world. One of the most strategic. Now notice this, this I make this the last point. Usually we think workplace is evangelism and is number one point. No, 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 no. You don't have to be number one point. The, 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 the most, you must understand that God is interested in the, in the flourishing of, of, of mankind. He's interested. See, ah, listen, listen, God created the earth, the heaven and the earth, made Adam and Eve, put them in the garden. The stars, all of that stuff. He didn't make a telescope. He did not make uh, eyeglasses that I'm wearing out. God didn't make it. Can you imagine that? Can you, can you, you, know, you know, I cannot, I, I cannot see that road there. God did not make it. He gave man the wisdom to do it. So what I'm saying to you is of primary importance to God is this issue of enhancement. Because, because with this enhancement, nobody can deny that there's a God. They may not go to Bible school. They don't understand your theology, but they know that I can use the phone and call IBK. They know I can turn on the switch, light will come. They know I can get in the car and drive. They know I can get in the... They understand that God has made life 
a little more livable. Jesus said, I come to give you life and give it to you what? More abundantly. They understand that. That in itself is a platform for ministry. That in itself. People that say, well, there's no God. There's, I say, oh, really? How, how do you think this, these things you are enjoying, how did it come into being? Did your grandfather make them? How? And then you start thinking, and they start thinking, and they start thinking, and you take them to the scriptures. Proverbs 24, where the Bible says he's going to give us ability for witty invention. God already said it. But not only that, you go to uh, Exodus 31, in verse 1, where the first person that was ever called, or that, was, that was ever mentioned as having been filled with the Spirit of God was a craftsman. A carpenter. Can you imagine that? You know, if I was writing the Bible, I would say maybe the prophet should be the first one. Bezalel, the son of Uri. God says, I'll fill him with my spirit so he can do all manner of craftsmanship. So when you see these guys doing painting, sculpture, and art in galleries, some of us look down and say, ah, this guy, they just was in there. Your son wants to go to school to go and be an artist. Hey, he will starve to death. You don't understand. He will only starve to death if he's not skilled. Give me one Michelangelo painting. And you can take my phone one k That will be enough. <laughs> Who gave them the gift? God! Folks, I, 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 I'm sorry I'm talking like this. I'm just, listen, I'm, uh, uh, okay, all right. You look at the likes of Michael Jackson. What a gift. What a gift. If that guy recognized who gifted him and glorify the giver of the gift, how many more million people will be born again today? Now, I have one I might, I might want to say, but you guys may, may stole me if I, if I mention it just now. If you guys assure me that you will not mention it, stole me out. <laughs> I should measure it. Are you, are you guys, you are safe enough to take what I'm about to say? <laughs> In all seriousness, the MAGA king. Whoa, 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 let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. You, you, you see my stone, they have my stone ready already. <laughs> no, no seriousness, no seriousness. If the MAGA king was born again. <laughs> if he was born again. The gift of speaking, the gift of persuasion. How in the world can we live in a nation where 74, 5 million people believe the election was rigged? No, 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 seriously. And I'm not trying to be political here. That's not where I'm going. I'm just about the gift of God. How the gift of God can really make a difference. Can you imagine if this man was born again and he took that same megaphone and said, Jesus is Lord? That's the point I'm trying to make. Forget politics. It's the fact that this man has something that the enemy has perverted. That's the point I'm making. I leave that point alone, I'm gone. <laughs> so the workplace is one of the most strategic and untapped segments of society for reaching the world. Why? Because it's a place where we can build strong relationships intentionally. One of the successes that we have on the mission field even now in most of the closed access nations is people that go in there as a doctor, engineer, IT experts, school teachers. They go into these nations and they don't go there carrying the Bible under their arm. They don't. They go in there as a stealth missionary. And they are trained to simply build relationships. That's it. That's it. That's all they do. In fact, I even want to say that they go in there making disciples before they get born again. I know some of you have lost you when I said that. 
the disciples of, the disciples of Jesus, when did they get born again? After the cross. But what were they called while Jesus was living? Disciples. Why? Because Jesus spent quality time with them. Teaching them. Training them. So that when the Holy Spirit came, everything he taught was unleashed in them. So what I'm saying is, in this workplace environment, we can build intentional and strategic relationships. You take interest in a person, you add value to them, you speak life into them, and you are waiting for God's opportunity for perhaps for you to share your testimony. It's as simple as that. Amen? Thank God for this Labor Day. I want to pray for you now. That you rest tomorrow, it's a holiday, and that you'll be released back to the labor field on Tuesday with the mindset that you are a child of God. With the mindset that you received a blessing of God. With the mindset that you're going to be the solution, the answer to every problem on your job as God gives you the aid. And of course, that you receive the grace of God to build relationship, and as God gives the opportunity, you begin to share. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I declare and decree over every man and every woman under the sound of my voice, I release them into their workplace ministry. Even as you already said in your word in John 15, 16, that we have not chosen you, but you've chosen us. That we should go forth and bring forth fruit that will abide and remain. And so, Lord, I thank you that wherever they go, wherever you've already assigned to them, that gift of God that's in their life will come to bear in the name of Jesus. They will minister according to your ability. They will speak your wisdom. They will be problem solvers. They will be, uh, they, they, they will add and enhance and add value to their job, even as Jacob did to Laban in the name of Jesus. I declare them being profitable, being fruitful, being successful in every area of their life and living and existence. Father, in the name of Jesus, none of them will know why lose their reward. Bless them in their going. Bless them in their coming. Thank you, Father, for the fruit of the ministry. Thank you for the boldness. And yes, we cancel every unbelief. We cancel it now. In the name of Jesus, thank you that we are all believers. Believers has been born again, and believers in the gift of God that is in us. We thank you that the Christ in us is the hope of glory. We release that hope right now. Thank you for that solution. Even now as I speak, Lord God, in Jesus' name, you are giving somebody an answer, an answer that they will use next week, this next week. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for answers. Your, your church is a solution ground. Thank you that we're a solution ground to the glory of your name, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right. Where's Revelation? Are we on? Okay, good. So now I have something. <laughs> Something very small and but special that I need to share with you. It take all of five minutes. Oh my goodness. Technology. When you want it, it doesn't work. So this is what's going on. In January this year, the church was successfully rebranded as Go Church, while the parent ministry remained as World Outreach Missions, one for short. Let me go to a scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. In a passion translation, give it to me, please. That will take these technology people off the screen for a minute. Give, give. So they, so they, <laughs> Ephesians 4, 16, in the Passion Translation. Give me my phone so I can read it out of my phone, see if they can. Talking about smartphone, you say that? It's not a phone. It's, it's a Bible. So let me, let me scroll. 
technology. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This is important because this is a teaching moment. That's why I'm taking the time to do this. Please, just allow me. There we go. Ah, it's on the screen? Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> okay. Ephesians 4, 15, 16, it's passion transition. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of the body, the church. Now, verse 16, see where I'm going. Verse 16. For his, for his body, that's the church, has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. <laughs> and every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. That is such a powerful scripture. Now, I'm sharing this scripture, leading me to what I want to say, because it's a teaching moment for all of us. Uh, the Bible talks about how in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. Okay, so while we were in Sri Lanka, February, March this year, after we had finished ministering, we were debriefing in one of our devotional times. And Sister Shade Loye asked a question and at the same time made a suggestion regarding world outreach missions. And the question simply was, we changed or rebranded the church from World Outreach Church for All Nations to Go Church. And she was asking, why do we keep World Outreach Missions the way it was? To be honest with you, as of that meaning when she said it, I had never given it a thought. But immediately she spoke, it was as if Jesus was on my lap talking to me. That's how clear how direct and how real it was. Now, why am I sharing this with you? I'm taking it, I could have just gone straight and done what I always do, but I want you to understand how things work. When the body is working together, all the parts, collaboratively, that's when we are healthy and thriving. I remember months ago when Pastor Larry and I were considering uh, the uh, praise, uh, having a special time of praise. We were talking about it and thinking about it. And Sister Henrietta went to him and said, Ah, Pastor, it'd be good for us to just have a time where we can just, and just have a prison. I said, Whoa! So we were having a private conversation, but God was talking to somebody else. That became a confirmation to us of the direction which, and I'm saying this to you as a part of the body. You are carrying a measure of the plan of God. And don't shortchange the rest of the body by sitting on it. Now, I cannot always assure you that everything you say will be accepted. Let, 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 me, let me tell you that. Because as custodians of God, we must take the time not only to pray, but to hear accurately. Amen? So if you bring something and it's not accepted immediately, don't take it personal. No, that's not the point. The issue is we want to make progress, and we like to hear what you're saying, and if it means we need to make an adjustment, we'll make that job. So we're listening. So she said it. And everyone in that room that said, wow, within five minutes, the new name was born. Right there in Sri Lanka, sent message to Revelation, go and do this legal thing, blah, 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 blah. Before I landed back in Atlanta, we were good to go. And as of this last week, legally, everything has been covered. And so, Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to announce a new name for World Outreach Missions in consonance with Go Church. In consonance. And that name is Go Missions. Simple. So from Go Missions 
we both go church. Do you see the consonants? How God does this? And, uh, and so along with that whole thing, you're going to see the new website now. And at the same time, Go Missions, already as we speak, is birthing what I call a legacy project in the name of Go School of Ministry. We've been taping all the online lessons for the School of Ministry for weeks now. And I, I, in fact, I cannot go any further but to acknowledge those who have really, really, <laughs> I mean, when they see my phone call, they shake, they scare because they don't know what else I'm going to say. Revelation Walker, <laughs> Sam Shomi, <laughs> Lynette Jackson. <laughs> With the blessing, of course, of Pastor Larry, because, because we have to take a little time away from him. Yes. The school, is it my part to talk about the school or are you guys going to do that? Okay. So, 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 so the concept of the school is going to be an online school. Uh, we bring in various uh, leading subject matter experts from diverse backgrounds to help us teach. And... Uh, it's a whole lot. It's, I mean, I don't want to say more than that. But I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, just this Friday, I mean, we, we were ready to go as of Thursday. And then I woke up, I said, you know what, we need to change something. And that meant I had to come back here on Friday and did five, tap five tapings, five new teachings, just to make those things change around. I I'm sharing it with you so you understand what's happening in the background. Now, we are going to do a soft launch of the school now. The school is not free. <laughs> Nobody's laughing. <laughs> ah, okay. Thank you. The school is not free. And this is the reason why. Just to put up the, what we put up, it costs a lot of money. But I'm not concerned about that. But the reason the school is not free is because we want to take this message across the world. Yeah. And my pledge is for every unit of class anybody signs up for, we make that unit available as a scholarship abroad to those that cannot afford it. That's what we're doing. So last week in one of Robins at GoSim, we had introduced it a little bit. We sold a few classes, and those classes now are assigned as a scholarship to the pastors that's waiting for us in Sri Lanka. So this morning, I'm trusting God, I'm believing God to get some more classes sign up. And uh, uh, it's wonderful. So, okay, now, over to the te technical team. Thank you very much on you now. Thank you.